I invite you to open to James chapter 1. We just started studying through James with our youth, and I'm excited to, uh, to look at just a couple verses here this evening with you all. I titled my sermon, The Struggle is Real. I guess I had forgotten that Josh has used this title before, but he reminded me. But uh, it's, it's so fitting for this passage, because we don't have to look very hard or look very far to realize that there's a lot of struggle and hardship in the world. We just named a, a numerous things and prayer requests where there is a lot, of, a lot of trials and a lot of hardship going on. Think about a lot of these people in Texas who are having to leave their homes and, and to leave everything they know because there's a, a hurricane coming that could destroy it all. And that's not an easy thing. And, and even more close to home, we've got people in our congregation who are now widows, who have just recently lost a loved one, a husband of, of, of many years. And so we're familiar with the fact that there is a lot of hurt and a lot of hardship in life. And James is familiar with this as well. And we're going to look just at verses 2 through 4 of James chapter 1. Follow along with me as, as we read. James says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Let's ask the Lord's help. God, we thank you for tonight, for an opportunity to open the word of God, to read it, to consider it, to meditate on it. We ask your help tonight in helping us understand it. And God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be at work applying this word to our hearts. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. So like I said, we, we're familiar with the fact that there is struggles, hardship, trials in life. And James is aware of this as well. And James is writing to a particular group of people that also have been experiencing hardship. If you look back at verse 1, James tells us who he is. He says, James, a, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. But then he tells us who he's writing to. He says, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. So James is writing to Jewish Christians who have been dispersed from their homeland or from their home country. And now they're facing abundant persecution. And, and it's most likely the, the, the case that they're facing persecution because of their faith. Because of their faith in Jesus, they're facing hardships and persecutions. And James is aware of this. And so James, as he's writing a letter to the church, he addresses this right out of the gate. He knows that his people are hurting. He knows that his people are struggling. And so he addresses it right away in his letter. And he, he begins by saying something that's, that's very odd. He says, to count it all joy, brothers when you meet trials of various kinds. Now, I don't know if joy and trials are, are very commonly put together in the same sentence as far as we should count something joy when trials are happening. 
But yet this is what James does. And so here, as, as we're reading what he has to say about trials and hardships, he begins by telling us to count it as joy when, when various trials come. And so what I want us to be thinking about is how is it possible for us as Christian people to have joy in the midst of trials? That's kind of the big question that we have to answer to, we answer tonight, and I want y'all to be thinking about that because we're going to come back and, and answer that question at the end. But first, I want you to see that all of us will experience trials. Now, some of us in here are younger than others. We've, we've been living less. But, but usually, most people that you talk to and most people you interact with have an understanding that, that life is going to be hard at some point. There will be trials at some point. And James here says in verse 1, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. So James is under the assumption that all people, now he's talking to, to specific Christians here, but, but he's under the assumption that all people are going to experience trials in life. And surely, probably all of us tonight could testify to that. Yes, I've lived long enough and I know that trials are a part of life. It's just, that's, that's what life is, it's part of life. And so he says, when you meet trials of various kinds, not if, it's not a matter of whether you can navigate your way through life and, and not experience any hardship. He's wanting us to be ready. If, if you have not already experienced hardship and trials, just be ready because they will come. That's a truth of life. But I also want you to know that, that even though hardship and trials will come, I think James is encouraging his, his readers that we're in this together. There's two words that make me believe this. James says, my brothers. As you read through the book of James, this is one of his favorite ways to refer to his readers, is my brothers. And it's a very intimate wording, really. You know, if, if you have a, a sibling or, or something, that's, that's a unique relationship that you don't have with just everyone. And to call someone your brother or to call someone your sister, that's, that's a very intimate relationship. You have a connection to that person that you don't have with all people. And James is here saying, count it as joy, my brothers. Now, this is not saying that he's only talking to the guys. He's talking to everyone. This includes guys and girls. He says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. You see, James, as the leader of the church, is writing to people who have been dispersed, and he's including himself in here, saying that we're all going to experience trials of various kinds. He says, brothers, I'm there with you. I'm not exempt from trials or hardships because I'm a leader or because I'm in a position of authority. James is also very aware that, that life is hard and that trials will come. But I think he wants his readers to know and I think he wants us to know tonight that we're in this together. No one person is or should be stuck to bear their hardships and their trials by themselves. And if that's happening in our church, then we as a church have failed you. 
we as a church are a body. Paul uses this illustration of, of, of a body when he talks about different, uh, different members of the church. He talks about, you know, can the hand say to the foot or the, you know, the pinky say to the thumb? Or, or He uses this idea of a body. And we understand that, well, if I hurt my hand, guess what? My whole body is feeling the effects of that. My whole body is aware. And for me, two years ago when I smashed my face in softball, well, you could say, well, I only hurt my head. You know, why can't I still be doing other things? But we understand that that laid me up from doing anything with the rest of my body for quite some time. And that should be the case with the body of Christ. That when people are hurting, that when people are suffering, that when people are enduring trials, it's not just their burden to bear, but that we as a church family embrace them and we encourage them and we love them and we help them. We all feel the effects of the pain that one individual person is experiencing. You see, another thing that's true is because all of us experience trials at some point in life, we, we go through hardship. Perhaps one of us knows exactly what someone else is experiencing. Perhaps there are some of you in here tonight that have been through what Miss Anna is going through right now. And because of that, you can encourage her. You can build her up. You can love on her in a way that others cannot. And James is saying, look, trials are a very real part of life, but, but in the same way, we bear them together. And we don't let someone think that they have to deal with their problems by themselves, but, but it's as a family of, of believers that we help one another, that we build one another up, that we encourage one another. We're in this together. My second point is that God is in control of our trials. God is in control of our, tri- our trials. Look at verse he says for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness now here in verse 3 we get uh, a a better idea of these trials that, that James is talking about specifically they are trials that test your faith and so he's talking about when hardship comes into our life, trials come into our life of various kinds, he's saying it's trials that test our faith in God that he's specifically talking about. And now here's what, he's, here's what he has to say about who's in control of our trials. He says in verse three, three words at the very beginning of this verse that I find very interesting and unique. He says, for you know. For you know, what do we know? He says that the testing of our faith produces steadfastness. Now here's why I say that God is in control of our trials. Because if he's not, how can we know that anything good will come from our suffering? If, if suffering and trials and hardship are all just completely random and God is not in control of those things, how can James be confident one bit that our trials and our hardships and our struggles are going to have any good come from them? See, but James knows 
that God is in control of all things. James knows that everything that happens in our life is not outside of the control of God. That when life seems to be spiraling downward, it's not that God has taken a break from watching over us or that he's, you know, forgotten about us. God is very much so in control of all things and he is allowing things to happen that test our faith and that refine our faith. So interesting that that James says, "For, for you know. Because I wonder how many of us do know. Do we know that trials can be good? That trials can grow us? Do we know that trials that test our faith produce steadfastness? I hate the dentist. Anybody with me? Austin's with me. I hate the dentist. I just always have. And it's not because every time I go, I, I always have tons of cavities. Uh, I just, I hate that them poking and prodding up my gums. And, and usually whenever I leave, I'm bleeding and it's, it's just not fun. I don't enjoy the dentist. And, and I know that it's good for me to go to the dentist. It's good for us to have our teeth checked to make sure there aren't cavities. Because if there are and we never have them checked and, and we're not good at brushing or flossing, then our teeth are gonna rot. And when they fall out, it makes it a whole lot harder to eat. And so I know that going to the dentist is good for me, but that doesn't mean I like it. And in a similar way, we need to know that trials in our life are going to do good things in the long run. Our call to worship said that all things work together for good for those who are called according to God's purpose. All things work together for good. Now, in the moment of our trial and our hardship and our struggling, it doesn't seem like things are good. It often seems like things are, are as, as bad as they could ever be. But we've got to be thinking big picture. We've got to be reminded that God is in control. That any hardship that comes into our life, whether it's the death of a loved one or financial hardship, the loss of a job, you name it. Put whatever situation it is, as long as we know that God is in control and these things are working steadfastness in our faith, then we can get through it. We can endure it. That's part of being able to get through it. Part of me being able to get through a dentist visit is because I know long-term this is good for my, my dental health. And so I can endure it for a little while. I can endure the poking and the prodding because soon it will be over. And in the same way, we, we've got to understand that hardship and struggles in life, although they may seem like they, they last forever, there will come a day when they end, whether it's in this life or whether it's in the next life. And James is saying, you know that the testing of your faith is going to produce steadfastness. Now, I also, I used to work at a jewelry store, and gold is, is very popular in jewelry, 
And so I remember one of my first couple days on the job, the jeweler that was there was, was describing to me the process of how gold is refined. And he says, you know, obviously gold straight out of the ground doesn't really look that impressive or that appealing. And so it has to go through this process of being refined. And so you put it through a furnace, you put it through a fire, and what does that do? It burns off a lot of these impurities. And what you get is, is a more pure uh, result in the end. And then you do that process over and over and over again until you have almost completely pure gold. And in a similar way, trials in our life are doing that with our faith in God. Trials are helping us focus more on God, rely more on God, trust more in God. And it's doing that same refining process. Hopefully all of us can say that the the day we believed in Jesus, the day we put our faith in him, our faith was nowhere near what it is today. It has grown. It has increased. Perhaps through hardship and through trials. And James is here writing to his, his people saying, this is, this is how God works in our lives. This is how God may be at work in your life. Now James is writing to a people who have been dispersed from their homeland. Surely they are experiencing hardship and trials. But the truth of the matter is, all of us in this room tonight probably have things going on that are testing our faith. I don't know that for sure, but but God knows, and God is at work in those situations to increase our faith and to grow our faith. Now, he says at the end of verse 3 that the testing of our faith produces steadfastness. This is such an interesting word. Steadfastness has this idea of staying power. Most of you probably don't, don't care one bit, but there was a big boxing match last night. And it was this, this guy who had been uh, boxing for his whole career. He had won 49 matches and lost none. And this other guy who was uh, part of a, a different type of fighting, it's similar, but it, it's also different. Uh, he was also very good at what he did. He was not undefeated, but he, he said... I think I can beat the best boxer there ever is, there ever was. And so sure enough, this talk kept going on and on, and then before we knew it, there's an actual boxing match that was gonna happen. And so last night, it happened. And what we saw, you know, everyone was saying, well, this guy who's never boxed before, if this match goes all 12 rounds, he's probably gonna get tired out. And sure enough, he comes out looking pretty good, looking fresh the first couple rounds. And then around round five, six, seven, you could tell he he was gassed. He He was tired. And then the other guy, who's the veteran, who'd won 49 fights, that's when he started to pick up the pace. And he started to show that he had learned steadfastness through all of these boxing matches. He had learned how to conserve his energy, how to make it to those later rounds, whereas this other guy, he had no actual in-the-ring experience. He may have trained like crazy, but he had no experience in the ring. 
And we see that this experience or this testing of 49 fights obviously gave one man a clear advantage over the other. And in the same way, our trials and our hardships in life should be doing the same thing for us. The more we, we go through them, the more we encounter them, we are trusting in God and what he is doing is growing our faith. And so that we have, our faith in God is growing more and more and so that when we are advanced in age or in years or the longer we have been a Christian, we have steadfastness. We're not quick to run from God. We're not quick to question God. We're not quick to wonder what God is doing in our life. We trust him because he has used all these situations in our life to grow our faith. But then my third point, and and to kind of answer the question that I, I began with, how in the world can we have joy in the midst of trials? My third point is that trials make us more like God. Trials make us more like God. Look at verse four. James says, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, I don't know about you, but being perfect and complete and lacking in nothing sounds very appealing doesn't it? I would love to be able to say that me as a person, my faith is perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. But the reality is, that is not a good description of my faith. But this is a good description of someone we know in the Bible, and that's Jesus. Jesus was a man who was perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. He did not need to grow in his faith. He had perfect faith in God. He was not lacking anything he needed to obey God or to love God or to love other people. Jesus truly is and was the perfect and complete human being. And now here James is saying, trials in our life, that test our faith are gonna bring about steadfastness. It's gonna help us stay on the course trusting in Jesus. He says, let steadfastness have its full effect in your life, let it do its work, and here's what it's gonna do. It's gonna make you perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, you may think, that's, that's a big claim, that's a bold claim. But here's what James is doing. James is not at all saying that we, at some point in life, will make it to a point where our lives and our faith are perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. We're not gonna experience that on this side of heaven. But he says that's the goal. And we shouldn't lower the bar. The goal for our lives as a Christian should be to look like Jesus, who is perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. And he says, God is going to use trials in your life 
to shape you into the image of his son, Jesus. Joe read the, the verse right after our call to worship, that God is conforming us to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. God is doing what he is doing in your life in order to conform you to the image of Jesus. And we should not, for one minute, want to lower the bar for what our lives should be. We should strive for perfection and completion and lacking in nothing. So how, how can we have joy in the midst of trials and hardship and, and suffering? James would say we can have joy knowing that God is at work in our lives to conform us to the image of his son Jesus. And as a Christian, that should be our utmost desire is to be conformed to the image of his son that we would be made more like him each and every day through each and every trial. James says, let's set our eyes on Jesus to look like him, to be like him, to act like him, to have faith like him. And he says, let's see the, the, the trials in our life and let's count that as a joy knowing that God is at work in our hearts through it. That doesn't mean we, we find joy in the hardship itself. But we can find joy knowing that God is at work in our lives. Oftentimes that's a big question, isn't it? How do I know that God is at work in my life? How do I know that God is doing something in my life? Maybe we don't really need to look any farther than our, our trials things that are happening in our life to test our faith in God to see that truly he is at work in our life. And when we look at that and when we see that, let's allow that to give us joy knowing that God cares about us so much that out of all the billions of people that are on this planet, he is specifically at work in your life to make you more like his son, Jesus. Let's pray. God, it's hard for us to say that we find joy in trials, but may we, with James, be able to say that there is joy to be had in trials because we know that you are at work in our lives to conform us to the image of your son, Jesus. God, may that be our utmost desire tonight and every day of our life, that we want to be made more into the image of your Son, who is perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. God, we thank you that you're at work in our life. Would you help us to continue to have faith in you through, through trials and hardship? And may we find joy in the fact that, that you are doing a work in our hearts. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.